0: Hey, Goldilocks, what do you say as long as we're here, we eat some porridge and check out the bed?
1: Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place.
2: Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with
1: us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators,
2: cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our moonlining fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes.
1: So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna?
2: I sure am. Well, Well, let's let's get get started.
1: Hello and welcome to Moonlighting the Podcast. Hi, Shauna. Hi, Grace. Today, we are talking about The Man Who Cried Wife. It first aired on the 30th of September, 1986. It was directed by Christian I. Nyby II, and it was written by Kerry Aaron. The guest stars are Stephen Godwin as James Bower, Ali Mills as Claire, Patricia Duff as Melissa, Richard Tyson as Daniel, and we introduce Jack Blessing as McGillicuddy.
2: Yeah, first episode of McGillicuddy. And he makes quite the entrance and quite the announcement. Sure does. Throws Maddie for a loop. (laughs) Oh, the irony.
1: Yes, I know. The (laughs) irony in this episode is huge.
2: And my, how she changes
1: her tune in season four.
2: (laughs) Yep. Well, in, in many ways, there's a lot of irony going on here with Maddie. It's double standards, Shauna. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, true, true. So let's talk a
1: little bit about this episode. A man kills his wife during an argument. He buries her near their log cabin in the woods. But the day after, she began harassing him with threatening phone calls. He goes back to the woods to check on the body, but it's gone. So he decides to approach Blue Moon to help find her. However, he doesn't tell Maddie and David that he had killed her or thought he killed her during an argument. After an argument about whether or not to deal with a man who would strike his wife, Maddie and David trace the woman, but during a car chase, she seemingly drives over a cliff and dies again. This is the first episode in which the new character, McGillicuddy, played by Jack Blessing, appears.
2: Yes, and I think the title, Man Who Cried Wife, is pretty self-explanatory. The Boy Who Cried Wolf tale. Yeah, classic tale. Classic tale. So, just um, a spin on that. The man who cried wife. So, the opening. Okay. So, the opening takes up what the first 10 minutes of the episode? I mean, this is one of the longer. Yeah. It takes up eight and a half minutes. Eight and a half minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, with the title and all of that. Yeah.
1: uh, All right. What do you think? Yes. It is a, a long introduction to explain the plot. It begins with the phone ringing in a black screen, similar to. Funeral for a doornail? Oh, yeah.
2: When he was in, it's in the hotel room.
1: Yes. All right. So Melissa lets the answering machine take the message and she's listening to him. But what I found strange was the answering machine message was like she lived alone, but that belonged to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't separated yet. They were still together, sort of.
2: Yes. True. Right. Yeah.
1: The camera pans across her body. So instead of panning across Sybil Shepherd, they panned across Patricia Duff, who played Melissa. And of course, her husband's ringing her. And it's the old style answering machine where you could screen your calls. You could hear mm-hmm. the person talking. And obviously, she doesn't want to answer the phone. Now, he's ringing from a phone box. Why is he ringing from a phone box, Shauna? <laughs> maybe he's out and
2: about. Okay. Maybe, maybe he was driving halfway up there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how far away this is outside
1: of LA. So she hangs up, he hangs up, and then it quickly shows his wedding ring in the image. So it's explaining that they're married and he's ringing her to try and get through to her. Yeah. So she tells her lover that her husband is on his way and he stands in the doorway of a very steamy bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How's that for a scene? Yeah. And, Shauna, guess what? Harvey shows up in a? Suit. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's your favorite
1: parts of the episode, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
2: No matter what time of day, no matter what the circumstances, you're dealing with family issues or whatever, you're in a full suit in the 80s.
1: Yeah, well, there were some occasions you really need to dress up for, right? (laughs) Now, this part cracks me up because then all of a sudden you see her open a cupboard to grab a bottle And then you see her open another cupboard to grab a glass Mm -hmm. and he slams the door shut of the cupboard to show that he's broken the mirror on the cupboard door, but it was already broken before he shut the door. Was it? Okay. So, yeah. If um, you look at it really slowly, it's actually already broken. Okay. Okay. But he slammed it so fast that it looked like he broke the mirror on the door of the cupboard. Yeah.
2: Okay, this was my impression that she's opening the cupboard to get whatever out. Um is this a medicine cabinet or what? But what I think is he standing behind her and slams it closed and it breaks as he slams it. I think okay. you see a piece fly off. No. Really? No. All
1: right. Okay, so there's three slams. The first slam Melissa opens the cupboard to get the bottle, slams the door. Then she opens another cupboard to grab a glass and then slams the door. Then she opens another cupboard, which is the medicine cabinet, and then he slams the door. But if you put it in slow motion, you can see the crack of the mirror before he actually slams the cupboard door. They're being <laughs> safe. It's occupational health and safety, Shauna. They're being okay, safe. they have already broken it. Okay. Not like in the Murders in the Mail where um, David cuts himself. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Right. So then I've just put here, but unfortunately for Moonlighting, Grace and Shauna are here to scrutinise, fantasise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The mirror was already broken. So I get the impression he's telling her to get out. So she starts getting dressed and then crawls across the bed to taunt him. Yeah. But he tells her that she can put her pelvis away and because he's going to leave instead. Right. What I find sad about this scene is you don't see a lot of Patricia Duff. You only see a side view of her. You don't really see her full face. Maybe in one cut you do. Because you see her side view saying, go. Go. He won't leave. Go. And then she appears in the doorway and says, what do I have to do to make you leave? It's a lot of shadows. So in a moment of spontaneity, Shauna, he strikes his wife to the ground and drags her out to the woods near their log cabin
2: and begins to bury her in his suit. <laughs> and she has some very, you know, Maddie-like clothes on. You yes. know, she's got the silk robe, which she then takes off and puts on this other, is it a purple dress? Is it a Yeah, night she gown? puts on
1: a dress that, that crosses over. It's very Robert Tudorous.
2: And how she's positioning herself on the bed kind of mirrors Maddie at the end, Maddie on the floor, because she gets on the bed and like kind of sticks her butt up in the air, you know, when she climbs on the bed and when she's kind of being seductive. Yes. It kind of like mirrors Maddie at the end. Mm. I think a new generation watching this, it'd be funny. You know, it's like you see where there's some dinosaurs in here. It's like a phone booth answering machine, which they've had in other episodes, but you know. (laughs) No cell phones, so you can't, you know, tapping the phone. Well, why tapping they might do these days? But I forget. There was something else when I was watching the episode. I'm like, just like some real dinosaurs from the past. Even like him smoking, you know, a lot of smoking. I mean, I guess some people do smoke. um, I don't know. uh, Maybe in movies and stuff. And that's, I don't think you can smoke on TV these days. You know, I remember in the commentary um, for My Fair David, Bruce Willis was talking about, what was the actress in there? Anyway, she smoked Barbara Bain. Yeah, Barbara Bain, she was smoking, and Bruce is like, You can't even think about smoking on TV these days. Anyway, it's a, a real time capsule. The clothing, the answering machine, um the phone booth. Yeah, smoking, just all the things that don't really happen on TV today. I mean, you wouldn't see answering machines, you wouldn't see. I mean, unless it was like a show dated somewhere in another time. I just like the the time capsule that moonlighting is, you know, with all of those things in the eighties. Yeah, and even yeah. like getting heaps of letters in the mail. <laughs> True.
1: Yeah. And Maddie using her calculator with a paper roll on it to do her accounting.
2: Yes. And her tiny little computer that's like set to the side. I mean, uh, these days, <laughs> even the TV sets they've got in their yeah. offices. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Everything when he was is-
1: watching Bride of Frankenstein. And-
2: yeah, exactly.
1: But a good thing is, though, he did have a remote. That's not bad.
2: Yep. I was just saying that he did
1: have a remote. That was a new thing back in the day. I just love how so many times they have to find a phone box, like in Symphony and um, My Fair David, because they have to tell Mrs. Graydon,
2: you yeah, know, that Clark
1: is alive. Clark is alive. Yeah, true. I just love that.
2: Yeah, when he's in New York and he calls Maddie from the bar, and when he calls Maddie from every bar, he's using a phone booth, you know, so um, or a payphone, I should say. <laughs> I like it definitely, like with the music. And the change in tone and, you know, the mystery of like the voice suddenly coming over when you saw but he killed her Mm. and now suddenly she's calling him and it's good. I mean, it is a long intro for Moonlighting, but it's one of my favorite openings for a case. It's needed because we need to explain
1: what's happened. He's killed her and we needed to see that and we needed to see him get the phone call from her and him ringing the police to cover himself. But him dragging her out to the burial site, that poor actress, <laughs>
2: she's getting bloody yeah. dirt poured all over her. What's that? Yeah, and he like shoved the dirt like over her face I saw too and it really looked like it was her, not a dummy or something like Oh, yeah, like. yeah, definitely. Yeah, so they just did it halfway
1: on her cheek and then stopped. So that couldn't have been a nice feeling to no. have that done to you.
2: No. So he buries the body, done and done, you know, and he's, yeah, like you said, going to call a missing persons report to cover himself. And go on with his life, you know, that's what he's thinking. But then one day (laughs) (laughs) he gets a phone call. You weren't going to leave me out there, were you? In the cold, dark forest under all that dirt.
1: (laughs) And she hangs up and he lights a smoke, takes a puff, puts it out, and then lights out, goes to sleep. That was that. (laughs) You can sleep after that? End scene. That's it. (laughs) But I checked, I reckon, I'm pretty sure it's Patricia Duff's voice, that first one. Yeah, I was wondering about that, mm. who they were, what actress they were having. Yeah, it's not clear. Because <laughs> Allie Mills, I'm sorry, does not sound like Patricia Duff. Let's just be
2: clear on no. that.
1: Allie Mills's voice is very husky.
2: Yes, her voice is different, yeah. I was trying to think if she was putting on her sister's voice, you know, but no, like at the end he's like, that voice yeah but at the end
1: we're getting ahead of ourselves but at the end when she comes in the door and says you weren't going to leave
2: me out there she puts on a voice she doesn't have that husky bit going on one other part that i think it's the woman um, who's playing melissa that actress is in the car when she pops up when they're at the motel knocking on the door and she pops up and and drives away i think it's that actress because the hair is different It's, it's more like hers i don't even think that i reckon that's a wig Maybe. Could have been a stunt driver. I reckon it was a stunt driver.
1: I didn't feel it looked like her.
2: It just looked like a
1: man with a wig on, to be honest. It just didn't look right. Anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah, it definitely Um, wasn't
2: the sister, for sure. It was not her, for sure. Like, her hair was totally different.
1: Now we're in Bauer's office, and someone puts a call through to him, and it's her again, and he slams the phone down. So that's the end of that scene. Then we're back at Bauer's home, and he enters the front door, And a table is set for two for their anniversary. There's a cake sitting there, a gift, which he opens. And I can't get over how he opens this box. I know. It's so carefully orchestrated that he has to pick it up and then hold it in a certain place because otherwise that dirt, I'm telling you, is going everywhere. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So he lifts up the lid and it just opens and it goes everywhere all over the table. Yep again too did you look at the camera angle the camera while he's doing that is really low yeah. you know how he was saying like in um my fair david how they make the baddie or the criminal look even more sinister wow. by having the camera lower um, Oh yeah. what i noticed too in that wide shot the most exaggerated chandelier i have ever seen
2: yeah oh my god a massive chandelier i mean if that fell (laughs) nobody's surviving that (laughs) almost as big as the room it's crazy yeah you're right totally that is really funny and a great song comes on yes should have played the shirelles they should have I was
1: just gonna say they should have played the shirelles and they did they did eventually (laughs) shauna again and again yes Dedicated to the one I love is a song written by Loman Pauling and Ralph Bass that was a hit for the five Royales, the Shirelles, the Mamas and the Papas, and Biddy McLean. So quite a few people um, sang this song. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I like the Shirelles version or the Mamas and the Papas' version better. They're
2: both Uh, pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yes, I think they both have their own merits.
1: So the, the Shirelles version reached number 83 in 1959 and this version was released in 1961 and reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and number two on Billboard's Hot R&B sides. In 1967, a subsequent and slightly more popular cover version by the Mamas and the Puppers released on the Dunhill label went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100, kept from number one by Happy Together by the Turtles. Hmm. <laughs> the lead singer on the Mamas and the Papas version was Michelle Phillips, and it was the first time that Phillips was given the lead over Mama Cass. Interesting. And the song was also included on the group's 1967 album, The Mamas and the Papas
2: Deliver. Yes, good music in this episode all around.
1: It was a good choice of song,
2: Whisper yeah. a Little, which she did. Oh, for me, my baby, yeah dedicated to the one I love and with the plot twist at the end I have a question about that actually okay <laughs> or should we talk about the plot twist later up to you I just had a question about like um, leaving the dirt on the table because her whole point now is to be with him right so is she just taunting him she's just trying to torture him about like or she's just oh okay She's trying to make it seem like her sister's alive, basically. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's what the whole thing is about. This whole episode is Claire trying to make him think that she's alive so that he doesn't have to go to jail. And that's why she creates that illusion that she's still alive, going around the bend and kills
2: her again. That's right. I forgot that little. Okay. Yeah. I had to like get everything straight in my mind as we do with moonlighting, and it almost worked, but whatever. Okay. This is just another step of like, hey, I'm alive. Here's the soil. You know, I came out of the ground and he had to go back and check because he's getting now really driven crazy. She's seriously gaslighting him. Oh, yeah. Talk about gaslighting. Yes, this is like a textbook.
1: So he drives frantically to the cabin. You see a car driving very fast down a dark country road. Tries to dig her up to see if she's still there. But guess what, Shauna? She's gone. Gone. And he's crying his eyes out
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it ends with him just holding the dirt in his hands. That transforms to Agnes at Blue Moon holding dirt because she is repotting
2: a plant of hers. Yeah, I like that transition of the hands in the soil to Agnes's hands in the soil. It's a nice little transition. I hope it's not the same plant she brought in in the last episode because that was the start of the
1: season and she's repotting it already.
2: (laughs) We don't know how much time has passed that's true and right away david comes strolling in the door and it looks like he had a great weekend don't you think he's got a little spring in his step now i was kind of thinking like is this again always with like what was going on behind the scenes mm. you know i think we are starting to get a real arrogant bruce willis mm. <laughs> i think his character on the set i think this, this very kind of confident, egomaniac, you know, yeah. character walking the door is very much like what's happening behind the scenes. He's taking up the the swagger up a level, I think, in this episode. Yeah, you're right, especially the first scene. Very confident, full of himself. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know, that's what we love about David. But this whole scene, up until McGillicuddy starts talking about his wedding or what he did over the weekend, I should say, David H.R. Nightmare. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Ladies, Redburn backs, and oh my God. Yeah. I mean, even here in the 80s, they're like kind of looking at I'm like, give me a break. Yeah. You yes. know, but yeah, and the bloodshot eyes and the, I'm treating DePesto like a dog.
1: <laughs> She's got her hands full with the dirt from the pot plant and she picks up his newspaper with her
2: teeth. Yes, and he pats her like a dog, yeah. All of that is a bit, um, well, I don't know. I just feel like. It's a, an example of a scene that no one questioned in the 80s. That's right. Yeah. But there's some real questionable.
1: Yeah. Some in the 80s, they were just trying to make it funny. And that was funny to them.
2: Yeah. And and it is funny. And we don't yeah.
1: care. I mean, yeah. We don't it, care.
2: Yeah. I love it. But I'm just, um, sometimes I think about like, oh gosh, this wouldn't fly today. Mm. And how do audiences accept it? You know, would they view it through the lens of the 80s? Hopefully, because that's what you yes. should do.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, you should. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because nowadays, if that was the case, um, a lot of people would get offended by that. Yeah, and you know, you shouldn't. It's entertainment. It's comedy. Just have fun with it. Enjoy. Chill, will you? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean.
0: Morning, Mr. Pesto. Morning, Mr. Addison. Ladies, morning. gentlemen, everybody, have a nice weekend. Yes, sir, yes, sir Mr. 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 Addison, yes, sir. sir. Guys, let's see those blush out eyes. Huh? Very impressive. Ladies, any rug burn backs? Liars.
2: David Addison is a, a bit of a baddie, you mm. know? And mm. that's what we love about him, and that's why Maddie loves David, because he he's a different character than she is. You know, Maddie's got her own HR problems coming up here, too. <laughs> She's no, uh, no angel in this episode. But anyway, I like that David um, is going straight for Maddie's door. You know, he comes in and says hi to everybody, and makes his little comments, but he goes straight from Maddie's door and he's about to knock when he gets a, <clears throat> he hears a little throat clearing and Cutty is definitely trying to get his attention and he's got big news. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but before that, it's like they're in the army when he walks in.
2: Yeah, true. Um,
1: did everybody have a nice weekend? And yes, Mr. Addison, sir.
2: <laughs> Addison, sir, yeah. Maybe they've been lecturing them about, um, Remember in episode one we said that they were so rude to Maddie and David, the Wobblies? We're, like, so rude.
1: Maybe they've had a bit of down-home treatment, like a bit of discipline.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they've had a talk about some respect around the office, and that's what David gets when he walks in the office now.
1: Yes, sir, Mr. Addison, sir. Yeah, so he turns to McGillicuddy. Morning, McGillicuddy. (laughs)
0: mcgillicuddy morning mr addison did you have a good weekend mcgillicuddy oh it was great did you do anything out of the ordinary a little did you do this thing alone or with another person Uh, another person mr mcgillicuddy i'm afraid you've stumped our panel i'm gonna have to flip all the cards mcgillicuddy tell our home audience what you did this weekend
1: (laughs) <laughs> and then you hear cheering and, and clapping and yeah. and we're in Maddie's office and she looks up and wonders what's going on out there. She's like, gosh, I want to be involved. Shauna and I would love you to come and join our Moonlighting community. You can follow our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at moon underscore podcast 85 as well as our YouTube channel. You can also join our Moonlighting the Podcast
2: Facebook group where we talk about everything moonlighting. What could be better than that? One thing I was going to say before we move to the next scene, look in uh, the reflection in David's sunglasses. You're always seeing like the crew lights.
1: Oh.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, I
1: didn't look at that.
2: So here you can see the lights and then um, later you see, like, I think they're in the car. And his glasses, um, you can you get a reflection of the lights and some of the crew. So yeah. We love the glasses, but they were probably a bit of a nightmare for the crew, you know what I mean, for filming, but they became kind of a staple of characters. So but Maddie's are flat, you can't see anything, you can't yeah. see a reflection at all. No. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't have used reflectos. They should have what? They shouldn't have
1: used reflectos, the what? reflecto lenses. They could have used matte lens especially the dark glasses I can use like a matte type cover yeah. so that doesn't reflect
2: mm-hmm. mm. true anyway yeah they've always got tips and tricks you know yeah i'm sure they have more these days all right so maddie comes out and um <laughs> how does bruce hold jack blessing on his shoulders bloody hell <laughs> I'm like, is that really Bruce, like, holding that's him? That's crazy. I know. That's pretty funny, right? And Maddie, first outfit, white dress. I like this outfit. I think it looks good on her. Her hair is very good in this whole episode. I will not be saying a lot about Maddie's hair. Very natural. Just looks like it's well cut, well curled, more natural. Well, it's funny
1: you should say that because I was going to say I like this hairstyle, how it's all flipped back. I like it on her, away from her face.
2: It's cute. It's really cute. She looks great
1: until the next scene where it's gone back down to normal. So obviously it was another day.
2: <laughs> yeah, there were a few cuts in the um, in the office. That scene is cut up quite a bit, I think. There's a little goof in in this one.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, I yeah, wonder if it's the I'm same about- one you're going to say. <laughs>
2: Probably it's about the cup. Yeah, it's about the cup. <laughs> it is about the cup. They give Maddie a cup, and it's two cups stuck together. Yep. But when she drinks out of it in the next scene, there's only one cup. There's only one cup. Yep. So, yeah, we have kind of a funny little um, – they're testing the sensors all the time, right? They're put, They're trying to push the boundaries. But, uh, you know, David's comment about – well, he bends down, I guess, to – Yes, so what? that she can hug McGillicuddy. So she can hug McGillicuddy. Mm. And then David's <laughs> – <laughs> Faith, kind of midway down Maddie's body and she's like, David, what are you doing down there? And he's like, Well, if you have to ask you, probably not must, doing it right. Probably not doing it right. Yeah.
3: David, what are you doing down there? If
0: you gotta ask, I must not be doing it right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I noticed is when she first comes out of the office, she's looking in the wrong direction. She's looking towards Agnes's podium. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and not really. So it's like they've done that on another day, her just poking her head out, and them not knowing yet where they're going to position this thing. Yeah.
2: I don't know how it seemed to me. Two different cuts, definitely. Even almost like different hair it almost looked like a little bit, you know. Mm. Yeah, even Bruce's hair is getting less and less and less. I know, it really is. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so they have a big cheers to McGillicuddy, and, you know, they find out what McGillicuddy did he got married and do you have anything to say about the hug Oh, (laughs) hand on uh, McGillicuddy's neck neck (laughs) yes that was such a civil thing to do I know
1: I would have never have noticed it if you hadn't have ever mentioned it in past episodes of ours
2: it gives me like the hippie jeebs or something. It like gives me the you know, the chills. Like if someone put your their hand on your neck. The funny thing is, guys, everyone listening out there, Sybil recently did a lifetime movie. So I was watching it and she walks up to someone to hug them, Sybil. Okay, now this is current day, and she hugs somebody in the lifetime movie and she hugs them exactly like she does in moonlighting, where she puts her hand all the way over and onto the neck. So of course I had to film it and send it to Grace.
1: <laughs> that's
2: right also further proof is a very civil way to hug it's people a,
1: yes because when somebody's in character you don't know whether they've created that body behavior because of that character but it's actually Sybil yeah. that hugs like that so she's incorporated
2: that into maddie that's so funny yes that's a very civil thing to do and there's another well okay you're getting Something ahead down. of yourself sure <laughs> i know i'm getting ahead of myself i get too excited i want to talk about everything at once <laughs> there's a civil trait i want to talk about but that's for another day further down the track okay Miguel huddy gets off his shoulders and gets another hug from maddie a proper hug and yeah it's just all good vibes and good moods and you know this is where (laughs) it goes from happiness to
1: oh how convenient so he explains that (laughs) He just decided to get married on Saturday night. Although I'm sure you talked about it for a while. Oh, a couple of minutes. And when did you (laughs) say that you met this girl? Oh, I met her on uh, Friday. And Maddie goes, the day before you got married. How convenient.
3: And when did this happen? Oh, Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night? You just decided to get married? Yeah, just decided. Although I'm sure you talked about it for a while. Uh, got a couple of minutes. And when did you say you met this girl? I met her uh, Friday. Friday. Uh huh. The day before you got married. Yeah. How convenient.
1: <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> she likes to say that a lot, doesn't she? How convenient, yes. So David proposes a toast and hands Maddie a styrofoam cup, but it's actually two, which we've already talked about. Then in the next cut, when she drinks out of it, it's only one. David says, give the boss a little
2: hooch there. I know. Sounds like Bruce to me. Oh, hooch is alcohol. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, shows you how yeah. much I know. That almost sounds ad-libbed to me. I'd like to know if Danielle can tell us was that in the script. Like a couple times, Bruce's Jersey accent comes out in this episode. That's one of the times it just sounds like Bruce to me. Who knows? Yeah. I must admit I thought that too. Yeah.
1: By the way, Sybil does the worst drinking out of a cup acting here. <laughs> yeah, really fake. Like Yeah. It's like you, know. you didn't even drink yeah. anything. You at least make out you're gonna drink some water or something.
2: I know, I know. Put a little sip in the bottom or something. Yeah, but nope, there's yeah, it's an empty cup. It's it's obvious. So she walks off as she is not interested in
1: continuing in on the celebrations. And, of course, David notices that she is not impressed and he decides to follow her.
2: But I think that she is giving him looks, especially when she gets to her door. But as she backs out of the crowd, she's kind of like, she's giving David eyes, like, come this way. It's the body language. Yeah, sending a message to David and he picks up on that and he... Immediately he knows that she doesn't like the idea of McGillicuddy meeting someone on Friday and getting married on Saturday.
1: (laughs) Haven't you ever heard of love at first sight, Maddie? Like, really? Anyway, I love David's toast. I propose a toast. Oh,
0: Oh. (laughs) The boss a little uh, hooch there. To McGillicuddy and your marriage may be the first of many.
2: (laughs) I know. (laughs) The first of many. (laughs)
1: So really, when you think about it, he's probably thinking the same thing
2: as Maddie in a way because true. he's
1: thinking this is going to be the first of many. This is not going to be his last wedding.
2: Yeah, it's true. He thinks it's a bit ridiculous as well,
1: but he's happy for
2: him. The
1: other thing I had a look at, I was wondering whether this was a reference to real life because I think he only got married the year before. Jack Blessing. mm mm-hmm you know, maybe Glenn knew that he only, because it says here that he married Laura Staley in 1985. So that was only the year before. So maybe he thought he'd incorporate that into
2: the plot. Maybe. I don't know. But um, speaking of that, the plot, we should always pay attention to how the plot mirrors the case. You know, it's all about spontaneity, right? Like spontaneously killing his wife, spontaneously marrying somebody and Mm. spontaneously hitting your coworker and spontaneously. (laughs) So this is all about making rash decisions in marriage, I guess. Um, So I don't know. I mean, to me, I I feel like it was written and then the cast, the cast people. I don't think, I mean, Jack Blessing wasn't really unknown. I mean, I think Glenn does that, you know, to mirror certain characters on the show when they've been on the show for a while, you know? It's kind of funny, like we don't. I mean, Jack Blessing from here on out is a character on the show, but I never really think of him. I just think of him still just as one of the workers. I never really think of him as like a Curtis Armstrong or something. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really think of him as like one of the main characters of the show.
1: No, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't think of him as a main character, but he's like a a recurring character once in a while, and at least he's a wobbly that has a speaking part. Yeah, he's like a wobbly that has a speaking part. Exactly. From what he is. Yeah, Jack Blessing, is mainly known for The Chronicles of Riddick, 2004, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of uh, Ricky Bobby, 2006, Mega Mind in 2010, and The Hunger Games. He was in The Hunger Games, Mocking Part 1 in 2014. He was born in July 51 in Baltimore. And unfortunately, he passed away in November 2017 in California from pancreatic cancer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was in um, The Naked Truth with Taylor Leone. He was in China Beach in 1988, 30-something in 1987, and Roseanne in 1988 as well. So he worked with Jay Daniel again.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, Northern Exposure, NYPD Blue. He's had quite a few actor credits. He's a
2: recognizable face. Yes, he made the rounds on yep. one of those shows, yeah. So. So. Yeah. So, so. What? <laughs> okay, so David is entering Maddie's office and he comes through kind of swinging his arms and kind of lighten a step and, you know, he knows he's already going to, like, push Maddie's buttons. What should we get, <laughs> the blushing groom? <laughs> and she already knows that he was on his way in because she's like,
1: Come in.
2: Yes. And he sits on the corner of the desk in his familiar spot and leans close to her. And, yeah, you can just tell he can't wait to, like, rile her up. So what do you
1: want to get him? Who? The blushing groom. How about a good lawyer? Yeah,
2: have a good uh, li- lawyer. Lawyer. the how Sybil says that. Lawyer. Uh, lawyer.
1: <laughs> oh, does Look she it. say it in a southern way, does she? Yeah, in a southern
2: way. Yes. Oh. Lawyer. Good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I would say lawyer. She says it a little bit different than me with California accent.
0: So what do you want to get him? A- Who? A blushing
1: groom. How about a good lawyer? Oh, giving up on romance this week? Oh, What's
3: romance got to do with it? He met her on Friday, married her on Saturday. That's not romantic. It's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Did
0: someone just turn the heat down in
2: here? <laughs> I honestly love how she says that. That's so good. I know, I know. I mean, I love how right away they have two very different perspectives. And he's going to... Pull her perspective right out of her. (laughs) I thought you were going to say he'd rather
1: put it into her, not out.
2: (laughs) He'd rather put a perspective into her, but he has to pull it out of her for now. Um.
3: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: <laughs> so Maddie picks up her work and Maddie's working at her couch today, which is kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got all of her briefcase and, her, and all of her stuff at her couch. Never seen that before, but I, I like it.
1: Yeah, that was a good a good cut to show that he wasn't really there. Except when one scene, she's sitting down at the couch with a briefcase and she gets up to yeah. him and he's there. But, yeah. yeah, I think that's just another excuse to do a single cut. Yeah, to do single cuts.
2: Now, a couple of times, I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, at least on one of them for sure, Bruce is laughing out of character. Oh. Okay, so right when she gets up and walks away in this scene, He's got a big smile on his face. Now that part I'm not too sure about, um, but he's kind of, it just looks like right before some of these cuts, they were maybe having another conversation. Something else was going on. They were kind of amused or being playful. Bruce has like a really big smile on his face. And then he kind of like looks down and takes a smile down a notch, you know? But definitely, okay, so that's one. And he, this may or may not be a, a laugh out of character, but um, a little bit later, After a little bit of dialogue, he's definitely, he's like, he's like actually laughing when they come into the cut, but I'll show you. So maybe when she gets up and takes her work to the couch, it's not the same look that he had on his face. Like he was over her, you know, he was on the desk next to her and he was leaning over her. The next cut, he's like sitting back and he's like, got a huge smile on his face. It's just not what was happening on the other side of the cut.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, they have a really great debate here about weighing the pros and cons or being spontaneous or like, and what's better? I mean, does that mean that something's going to last because you took your time to like see if it was going to work and, you know, do it the more traditional way? That doesn't mean that anything's going to last either. That's kind of his point, I think. He's like, you can do that. You can be sure. Sure, sure. I can be sure, you know. <laughs> sure, I can be sure. <laughs> but no, I'm sure. Doesn't matter if you got married in a day. A week, a month, or way to 10 years, no, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's a good debate that they're having. Yeah. And I think this is really, you know, season three, like really getting into classic moonlighting with him. They're very around the desk. They're very, you know, he's always kind of like crawling up to her, you know, like leaning in, sitting on the desk in her face. I love that. She keeps getting up and trying to walk away. There's a lot
1: of movement in this scene. Yeah. She storms up when he says something. Then she goes around the desk. Then she goes back to a seat. Then she goes back to the couch. It's it's all well
2: orchestrated, though. Yes. Well, um, Mark. Uh, what do they call it? It's um, when they do their marking. Not marking, but not you know, The blocking. blocking. Thank you. Yes, when they do their blocking, is it very well blocked scene? So the other time when Bruce is, I think, clearly laughing is when she says, "You can't just fly Hell's bells into." You know, and he's like, Hell bad. Like he's already laughing before. It's like they come in the middle of that cut, it's like something else is going on, and they start the scene and he's laughing from something else that happened. That's my interpretation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maddie believes that McGillicuddy has no business getting married because he didn't think it through. He only just met this woman and she knows how much money he makes. Like that's a big thing. But on the other hand, thinks that what if it's love? And she's like, Love. In heat, maybe, but not love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how David goes, love, heat, what's the difference? They're all getting a fuel injected, and I, for one, think it's lovely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's all for it. You know, Maddie thinks it's ridiculous. Some really good overlapping dialogue here. It's really good. This is like when Sybil says it was like diving off a cliff. They have to end at this one point at the same time. Mm. Very difficult. And when you
1: actually listen to it over and over, there are certain parts of it where he pauses so as to end at the same time she does, when they end up with
2: pros and cons at the same time. Like listening and really helping Mm -hmm. each other get to that point. It's, yeah, it's really great. Great job, Sybil and Bruce. Very nice acting and. A lot of classic moonlighting.
0: Haven't you heard of spontaneous combustion, an act of passion, an immovable force married to an unmovable object?
1: And I like how then he grabs her by the arm as she tries to walk off. Mm-hmm. she says, heat's cheap. The trick is getting to know someone, making sure it's right, making sure you're not making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And she takes her hand out of his grip. And then, you know, you got the hell's bells. Hell's bells. <laughs> bell's hell's bells. You can't go hell's bells. <laughs> he, he found that very amusing. So then Maddie goes into a tirade about you need to weigh up the pros and cons and do your research first in the major decisions of your life and you have to give them consideration and and then you can make an educated judgment. But then in his way, David says, well, that doesn't leave much room for spontaneity, does it? And that's when she says,
3: Spontaneity is just an excuse dreamed up by people who are too lazy to think things through and then need a reason when they discover they made a mistake.
1: <laughs> that's a mouthful, isn't it? Oh yes. But you know what? They both got a good point. David's got a good point too, when he says he thinks that yeah. some people waste their time thinking things through and they're the people that are just afraid of life. It's just another way of making no decision at all. And by the time you get through all that junk, anyone or anything worth waiting for is on to someone else anyway. Mm, interesting. Don't you think Shauna?
2: Yep. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. I I rewound it and listened to that a couple of times. They both make great points. Every situation is different.
1: So you can't make judgment on that. There's relationships that they've been spontaneous and they're still together after 30, 40, 50 years. But then you've got exactly. people that think about it and do their homework and weigh the pros and cons. And then they've separated after a year. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we're talking about relationships, you know, not buying a car, but so funny. Yep. Yeah, yes. you're right. They both got good points.
2: Yes, very good points.
1: Yeah. And then she goes, what are you accusing me of?
2: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not accusing, accusing
1: you, of you of anything. Then what are you trying
3: in your own pre-Mesozoic way to say?
1: The Mesozoic era, also called the Age of Reptiles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. she's going. And the age of conifers is the second to last area of Earth's geological history, lasting from about 252 to 66 million years ago, comprising the Triassic, Jurassic, and
2: Cretaceous periods. Okay. Yes. Stone ages.
1: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> What's she trying to say, Shauna?
2: <laughs> that she thinks David's thinking is pretty old school.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Indeed. But. No, it's not. I mean, like we said, they each have valid points. People do things different ways. Neither one is right. You have no guarantee that something's going to last because you weigh the pros and cons.
1: Exactly. And this is when the overlapping dialogue begins, which I will put the snippet in so that the listeners can listen to it, rewind it, without watching the show they can listen to this podcast and just keep rewinding and listen to just one side of the conversation it's absolutely hilarious
3: are you saying i'm too rigid too i'm structured? not saying that i'm at all. not that all i'm saying is that the best parts the of life are the parts you don't oh, have I'm to think through i'm saying is you fun don't fun have to plan it haven't you ever place? been in a store and seen something you really office? wanted we started out you talking you about can't what you
0: can't to afford get mr mcgillicuddy's a wedding say a car right i think that's what you're returning to talking about you have to have it what would you do in a situation what would i do i would read
3: consumer reports I test drive do you rush right in
0: do you buy it off it? the floor then i or make, a list, the make cars, a list of the pros and cons
2: and then maddie decides to be spontaneous and throw david out of her office you want to see spontaneity he's like i love it. he's like kind of that showboaty thing all geared up for it like yes do it maddie do it you know <laughs> he wants to see some spontaneity, even if it means her throwing him out of her office you know get out of my you like spontaneity Yes. You
3: want spontaneity from me? Fine, I'll give you spontaneity. How's this for spontaneity? Out of my mm.
2: <laughs> and Mr. Bauer is standing there and he says
0: Miss Hayes, Mr. Addison, I need you to find my wife.
2: So yes, Mr. Bauer is there and you know the case mirrors what's going on in the office and um David kind of draws attention to that in a way by saying You
0: plan that, didn't you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're different cuts too. They're not the Yes.
1: Yeah, definitely. They're standing
2: like too close to the door.
1: The only goof I found in this one is when uh,
2: Maddie's got her hands on her hips and then the next cut, she doesn't. Oh, okay. So we have the commercial, we come back. I just remembered the other kind of dinosaur thing that we see in this episode, along with payphones, answering machines and maps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. She's got a map in the car scene. Yes. I
2: know. Yeah. Like this is, hey, people, this is what we used to do. We used to look at maps and follow. I mean, can you believe that? We used to follow the road on these maps. So funny. I remember doing it.
1: We did well. We succeeded. We got there eventually.
2: We got there. Yeah. And I remember writing down the instructions one by one, going through the map and everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Turn left here, second right, third right, third left.
2: (laughs) I know. Yeah. Look for an orange mailbox. It's two (laughs) packs. I love it. It is funny. Yeah, I like this little car drive. Um, it does remind us that it's a new season, I guess. I mean, they look very beautiful. Sybil's hair looks great. Yep. And they're driving in a very kind of rural area up to the Bowers cabin and they have a little conversation about a cabin in the woods. And I guess the um them alluding to the break was Maddie saying, you know, because he's talking about Hansel and Gretel as everything always happens in a, you know, in the cabin in the woods. Um, and Maddie's like, you really did read over your vacation, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and a cute little, um, you know, alluding to. It's only the second episode back, guys. Dave is driving. <laughs> yeah. We
1: hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the Podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people moonpod2016.
2: David seems very optimistic that, you know, they're going to find her. They're going to talk to her. It's all going to be okay. Maddie's like, "Mm, not sure.
0: Where do we stop next?
3: Their summer house, a cabin in the woods.
0: A cabin in the woods? Really? Really. (laughs) Well, that's it then. That's where she is, a cabin in the woods.
3: How can you be so sure?
0: Come on, Maddie. Don't you read? They're always in a cabin in the woods.
1: Yeah, she doesn't even believe they should be looking for her. Yeah, that she has every right to not be found. Did disappear they walk up to the front door and david looks through the window and is very impressed by the
2: place
0: that's a great place bet they even got an indoor outhouse
2: (laughs) that's right indoor outhouse
1: you want to buy some seeds so i can win a bike
2: (laughs) yeah like his little boy scout
1: and luckily he Uh, didn't break the
2: window with maddie's shoe yeah i know good thing they didn't well um bowers gave them a key
1: yes so they did knock. It was very nice touch the clock ringing on the hour yes. when they got inside. Maddie zips up her bag. That was a nice touch too because in the previous scene she got her key out to give to David.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: although she's not impressed by the dust. She doesn't think anybody's been there for a while. I like how they go their separate ways like they do in um The Bride of Tupperman. Right. Um yep. so David Wants to go upstairs because he wants to check out the balcony. And she's like, where are you going? I'll give you
0: a hint. Starts with a C, ends with a lose. Clues, Maddie. We're looking for clues.
2: Clues, clues. I'm looking for a clue, a clue, a clue.
1: (laughs) I love how they do their thing on each side of the
2: beam. Yes, I like that. Yeah, very cute, very kind of playful and slapsticky. A couple of questions. One thing I wanted to say when they drove into the cabin area, And Maddie says, what are we going to say to her? You know, I thought David had a really good response. You know, they did that kind of fun thing. Like he goes, let's rock.
0: Well, let's rock. What do we say? Mother, may I please rock?
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I, I liked that David just had a really mature response to that. Your husband wants to make sure you're okay. If you don't want to be contacted with him, fine, whatever. Anyway. But the other thing I wanted to mention was when they were in the cabin, Maddie's like, looks like no one's been here for a while, but it only been like a week, right? And she was there, like, is it going to get that dusty in a week? Maybe in that rural area. They made it kind of seem like no one had been there in ages. Mm. But why point out that it was all dusty? You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe they didn't really use it
1: that often. And, you know, Melissa only used the bedroom.
2: Yep. (laughs) Yep. True. Very true. Good point. All right. So they make their way upstairs. They seem really impressed with the place, don't they? Like, David acts like it's one of the nicest places he's ever seen.
3: Not bad.
0: Yeah. This is about as well-feathered a love nest as I've ever seen.
2: I don't think it looks all that nice. Do you? No, nah, it's cluttered to me. <laughs> yeah, it looks cluttered, looks basic cabin kind of thing. But one exciting thing is he invites Maddie to bed. <laughs> <laughs> So I think this is the first time he calls her Goldilocks, right? Because he's always got his pet names for her. Yeah. It's a, like a new nick- nickname there. Um, he really makes a pitch for like, hey, why don't we uh, try out the bed?
1: Say, Goldilocks,
0: what do you say as long as we're here, we eat some part and check out the bed?
2: <laughs> yeah, which is very cute.
0: What do you say you put your hands in the air and tell me what you're doing here?
2: And we meet Daniel, we or meet-, meet him again. Maddie and David put their hands up. He's like, what are you doing here? Now they have a little conversation with Daniel and there was an overdub a different kind of dialogue that was used did you notice that you know what I'm talking about No so when um David says when you and the misses were headboard bouncing Yep it's clearly an overdub and Bruce's lips are saying headboard banging Oh the sensors must have made him change that, headboard bouncing. Because headboard bouncing doesn't make any sense. No one says it. It is headboard banging. People always say that.
0: Wait a second. You were on the phone talking to Bauer while you and the missus were headboard bouncing?
2: I haven't so, noticed that. Yeah, so take a look at that. Clear overdub and, yeah, Bruce's lips don't match what's being said. Wow.
1: Yeah. No, I didn't notice that. I'll have to go back and have a look.
2: Yes, yeah, so I have a look at that. But yeah, so anyway, Daniel kind of makes it known that um, he was there with Melissa, that Mr. Bauer called and left a message, you know, that she was screening calls and yeah, kind of tips them off to like how he knew that Bauer was coming up to the cabin and all of that. So I thought that was a pretty uh, big oversight on Bauer's part, not to erase the messages that he left on the machine.
1: Yeah, it's pretty dumb. But then a lot of criminals on the show are pretty dumb. Yeah, it's true. Yeah,
2: Maddie just looks so horrified.
1: Yeah, I just like how Daniel goes.
2: Did he know
0: where she might have gone after he came up here? After who went where? Bower, here.
1: And they're like, what? Came up here, what? So he hasn't been totally honest with Maddie and David. I know. Quite a bit out. So David plays a machine and you hear Mr. Bower's nasty message. Yeah. And that's that.
2: Yes. And I like the next cut, um, them at Bower's door, where Maddie's very direct.
0: Answer the phone, pick it up, will you? You hear me? Pick it, Miss Hayes, Mr. Addison, Mr. Bauer.
2: You lied to us mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> that was, that was straight out, you know. Now
1: she's not happy. Oh, she's no, thinking something's happened. He knows more than he's letting on, so she's starting to get angry. And this is when the fuel starts, the steam starts coming out of her ears. Until, yeah, yes, early. yeah, so. Yeah. They walk in and then you see a woman on the phone with the police asking them if um they've found her sister. And then she hangs up and um, Mr. Bauer asks her to leave because he knows that his lies have been unravelled. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't want her hanging around for that. No. So we find out that this is Claire, Melissa's sister, and she has left them a list of people and places, Melissa's address book and desk calendars and she says she's my only sister interesting she's wearing a maddie color too
2: yes very much so and this actress um the tie-in with the show okay so she was in the wonder years another sure popular was. Show. and the man who played her husband on the wonder years was also on moonlighting and portrait of maddie That's he played right. the the police detective yeah. yeah so it's kind of fun everyone who guest stars on moonlighting gets their own show <laughs> yeah,
1: a lot of them went on to bigger and better things. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so, so Ali Mills, uh, who plays Claire, she's known for Hill Street Blues in 1982. She was in Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman from 93 to 97. And of course, she was mainly known for The Wonder Years from 1988 to 1993. She was the mother and she was in 114 episodes, but wow. she was in many other things, General Hospital. She's in a lot of soaps. Yeah, yeah, but there's always a bit of six degrees of moonlighting, isn't there, Shauna? Like the man who played her husband was in Portrait of Maddie from The Wonder Years. Yeah, it's great. It's a small world after all. True.
2: So she finds her way out of there. Um, Yes, leaving them with some information that she's gathered. And Maddie and David really go in confronting Bauer. David begins interrogating
1: him about his lies. But there's beautiful soft lighting on Sybil. When she says, why didn't you tell us you went up to the cabin to see Melissa the night she disappeared? Yeah. She looks really good there. Now he's shocked because he was unaware that anybody else was there. So who told you that? They let the cat out of the bag that there was somebody there and he always had suspicions, but he was never sure that she was having an affair.
0: For future reference, if you want to catch your wife in the act, you got to skip the part where you call and say you're on your way over.
2: Right. Right. And Bruce's Jersey accent really comes out there. (laughs) It sure does. (laughs) Yeah. This episode kind of has a double reveal because here we are halfway through the episode and Bauer confesses. Yep. I killed her, you know, because usually that would happen at the end of the episode. So it's like, wow, okay. He's already confessing. He did kill her and all that. But I guess, you know, what we're finding out is like, now they're not sure if he did kill her because she's calling and his mind is being messed with.
1: Yeah. So all the way through, you're thinking, oh, maybe he didn't kill her. Maybe she was just
2: unconscious and she got herself out. Yes. So Bauer confesses and Maddie and David are just kind of like, I guess, sitting there kind of shocked, you know, listening. Maddie definitely does not look amused, but David looks really horrified as well. You know, they're looking at this guy like he's nuts, basically, you Mm -hmm. know, which he is. He's crazy. I mean, he kills his wife and yeah. now he says his dead wife's trying to drive him crazy. So a really wacky scenario. (laughs) But it's so funny because Mr. Bauer goes, all I know is she was
1: dead. I took her into the woods. I dug a grave and I buried her. And David goes, and then? And Mr. Bauer says, she called me the next day. And I love David's reaction here. He goes, oh.
0: She was dead. I took her into the woods. I dug a grave and I buried her. And then? She called me the next day. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I noticed too that During this scene, Bruce and Mr. Bower They're yep. both looking in the wrong direction They're not looking at each other uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Funny, it's great
1: This is um, one of my Favourite scenes With them too, as they walk out Of Mr. Bower's house And Maddie is Furious Slash livid <laughs> And she's like, no, no, no. Putting my foot down, standing my ground, digging my heels in. <laughs> I just love this scene when they're walking out and he and David goes, That's gotta create a lot of wear and tear on the old pumps, isn't it? No.
3: No. No. Oh. I mean no. Putting my foot down, standing my ground, digging my
0: heels. It's gonna create a lot of wear and tear
2: on this the old pumps. Time- isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. Yep. This is a great scene. Energy-wise, them walking out, Maddie just so angry. Murder? Murder, maybe. Doesn't care. <laughs> we are not taking this case. There we go. It's just really great um, acting. I mean, the energy that it takes to get this kind of combustion between the two of them. And her really being physical with David. Pulling his tie and pulling him through the window. And we start to kind of build towards her being so upset about a man that would strike his wife, but her manhandling David the way that she does, screaming and yelling. And wow, she's just like so angry. Where all that anger come from Sybil? Yeah, she's very passionate about this subject, isn't she?
1: Yeah. You sort of wonder if something happened in Maddie's
2: past life. Seems very like too real for her, like too close to home.
1: Sure does.
2: But David's not having it. Of course, he wants to keep working the case. He's curious to see about these calls coming in. And Maddie, again, you know, kind of like in witness, Like, we are not taking this case. You know, what case? There is no case. And, yes, I think there is a case. You know, Maddie is vehemently against it, but that's where we stand. And soon she drives off. But she wants him to get in the car. He's not getting in the car. He's going to stay here. Yeah, I really love this
1: scene. They're they're just both. Very fiery. yeah, Yeah, very fiery. And he's trying to reason with her. Murderers, murderers, maybe committing an act of passion. Passion? You call hitting your wife and knocking her down the steps and burying her body in the backyard? Passion?
3: This time I mean what I say. Fine, just say what you mean. We are not helping that man. We are not having anything to do with that man. That man is a murderer. Maybe. Murderer? Murderer maybe. Fine. I don't care. We don't help murderers. We don't help murderers. Maybe. Will you relax?
0: Relax. That means hit his wife. Hit his wife. Fine. Fine? I don't mean fine. I fine? mean fine. Yes. Agree. Yes. The man hit his wife. Aha. Uh-huh let me talk uh, yes he hit her and that's a terrible thing but he didn't mean to do it he didn't and make that it makes me- it all right no i don't think that makes it all right but even the law acknowledges there's such a thing as losing your temper becoming irrational committing an act of passion passion you call hitting God. your wife
3: knocking her down the steps and burying her body in the backyard passion
2: <laughs> yeah great acting it's just right there all of the the feelings the feelings are right there yeah it's really great it's one of my favorite scenes too. I I, I agree. It's really it's well acted, great dialogue, um, lots of physical things going on, which are kind of the you know foreshadowing for what's coming soon. What's coming next? Um, you know, just the anger building, the anger at the case, you know, at David for not like going along with her, and you know, let's not uh, help this murderer, murderer maybe.
0: <laughs> People do things and say things that they would never do if they thought them through. They react emotionally, spontaneously.
3: Oh, yes, spontaneously. People acting spontaneously. A lot of that going around lately. Every time some damn fool marries someone he has no business marrying and hits someone he has no business hitting, all the boys get together and say, we're sorry, we didn't mean to do it. It was just spontaneous. <laughs>
2: David's yeah. blocking his ears. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 yeah. And, yeah, maybe that's part of it too. Maybe just, she's heard a lot of excuses in the past. But I like how she ties it back to McGillicuddy. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah, tied together. As well as Mr. Bauer. Yeah, it's good. Yes. But David stays behind. He's going to help Bauer, work with Bauer, and Maddie eventually speeds off.
1: I put here, she says, but there is no case. Uh, I think there is. And she says, I think not. And she drives off as he fixes his tie. But then here I've put in capital letters. Irony of this scene. She is acting spontaneously by attacking him
2: in the car and pulling his tie. (laughs) absolutely yep she's acting on her impulses isn't she pot calling the kettle
1: sib i mean mad yep absolutely we're back at blue moon and she's still wearing the same outfit
2: yeah i know very few outfit changes for maddie i mean it picks up a little bit but not many in this episode the song she's waiting 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 (laughs) not too much to say here um, she's waiting for him in a lot of episodes, though, you know, like Witness, waiting and watching and thinking, you know. And the last episode, too, she was waiting for him to come back from the party and all that, you know, come to work. So, yeah, there's a lot of Maddie waiting for David. And again, you know, great song.
1: Yeah, great song by Foreigner, Waiting for a Girl Like You. Really popular song that year.
2: Yes, and very fitting song for Maddie. It's Maddie waiting. I mean, there's not just her sitting in the office, but it's a little bit overacted by Sybil, I think. She's kind of like looking at my watch and kicking my feet up and putting my feet down. (laughs) Did you get that a little bit? It's like, okay, we get it. You're waiting. Yeah, Yeah. if
1: it was me, I would have gone home, but that's just me. (laughs) Well, it goes for a minute and 15 seconds of her waiting. Yeah. She goes out to the lift, waits a while, walks back to her office, and then David arrives singing a song called It's Your Thing by the Isley Brothers is a great song
2: yes it's your thing do what you want to do so i guess that song is like david's doing what he wants to do right he's working the case she's not everyone's doing their thing that's right everything Mm. ties back to the plot yeah they're really good at that in season three for sure
1: Mm. i love how he grabs the hat rack in the blue jerry Finneman light and keeps singing i love that (laughs) yes he's very much in his
2: own little world And he comes into his dark office, sits down and calls the police asking for equipment to trace phone calls. And when Maddie comes in, this is one of my favorite scenes lighting wise and what David says to her when he says.
0: Evening. Pull up a chair. Turn on a key light.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When they show her, her face is in complete darkness. You know, I mean, what great lighting, you know, but with the white dress. I absolutely love that. I love all the lighting in the scene.
1: Yeah, it's great. Really well done, as usual.
2: As usual, yep. But David gets off the phone call because he can see with Maddie's crossed arms that she's not very happy, and she's not.
1: Yeah, I like the overlapping dialogue when Maddie asked, she goes, asked, requested, ordered. Yep. Her high and mightiness.
3: You stayed there and worked on this case all this time. After I asked you, requested, after I made it clear Uh, I had no interest in this case.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so he goes on to tell Mr. Bauer received a phone call from his dead wife.
0: For your information, while I was out there, our client, my client, Mr. Bauer, received a phone call. A phone call from his supposedly dead wife. Now, in my book, that means either one of two things either A, his wife is not dead, or B, they got a hell of a watch line in heaven. Did you hear what I said? The late. Mrs. Bauer tried to reach out and touch someone, and I was there to hear it.
1: And I love how she says this so angry.
2: And
3: I don't care if she rises from the dead and signs an affidavit not to press charges. I want nothing, nothing to do with a man who would strike his wife.
2: Yes.
1: Well, they both <laughs> barge out of the office.
2: You no, know, very angry. Yes, great acting. There's just so much passion behind all of these words. And Maddie storms into her office and David follows. Uh, He's making a point, I guess. You know, they don't always talk about state licensing boards and like their obligations to their clients, but you know, how are you going to explain to the state licensing board that you dropped a case for what? Yeah, that's right. She slams the door here too. Yeah, slams the door and he comes on in and she's at her desk and she's packing her briefcase, that briefcase, all over the (laughs) (laughs) place. She's packing her briefcase and she's very angry. He's just giving her all these reasons why they should keep working on the case. My goodness, Grace! When she swings this briefcase around, oh my God! <laughs> I mean, that's Bruce there. I paused it and like watched it really slowly. It's Bruce.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, he had to duck. What if he didn't duck? In the right, <laughs> I time? know, I know. Looking at him, so there's just so much trust. It just like um, creeps me out. Her swinging that briefcase over his head. Because what if it opened? What if he didn't duck in time? She swings it so hard and so fast straight over his head, and he just barely ducks out of the way too, you know? Yeah. Well, she does
1: safely swing it quite high, and yeah. luckily she's nearly as tall as
2: him. Otherwise, that would have been a problem. <laughs> I know, but still, it's I just know. really cool. and she's not looking at him. She just swings it around. It's just scary. It is. It's like, what if she hit him in the head? But okay, she didn't. See? <laughs> but every time I look at it, it's just like,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I always wonder here whether they had some bad cuts of her hitting him on the shoulder or landing in the wrong place.
2: (laughs) But anyway, yeah, the briefcase swinging really like gives me the heebie-jeebies. Again, a lot of things in this episode are giving me the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, she's in a mood. I wonder if they had a fight before the scene.
1: She said that they always did that.
2: It really seems like they were fighting here. Like when she says we put the anger into the scene. Yeah. So he's trying to, as you said, you know,
1: about the licensing board and you can't drop a case because you disagree with the client's behaviour.
0: How about the state licensing board? How's it going to look when you take a case and then drop it? And why do we drop it? Not because the client doesn't pay, not because we reached a dead end, but because you happen to disapprove the client's behaviour. Behaviour he himself regrets and which the law makes provisions for.
1: And that's when she goes, "Well," and The briefcase flies through the air and you're right, that was just great stunt work by both of them. Uh, And, you know, she doesn't want anything to do with him, and since she doesn't want anything to do with him, he can't have anything to do with him. Is that clear? Well,
3: the law is wrong. He's vile, and I don't want anything to do with him. And since I don't want anything to do with him, you can't have anything to do with him. Is that clear? Is that clear? Well,
1: is
2: it?
1: (laughs) And I'm sort of wondering here whether he's – Trying not to laugh. I'm not sure about it. But he starts to get a little bit nasty here. You know,
0: you're really lucky you're so damn good looking.
1: Oh, really? And why is that?
0: Because you really are a hell of a lot of work, Madeline Hayes.
3: And what does that mean?
0: What does that mean? That means you're very fortunate that the package is so attractive. Because otherwise, I don't think the rest of us would put up all that crap inside.
1: And what does that mean? She always says that. Oh uh, yeah, mm, and boy. she gives him the biggest slap. But of course, that wasn't spontaneous, was it, Shauna?
2: <laughs> no, it was all planned.
1: I mean, it was bound to happen. She's been brewing the whole episode, David. Forgive
2: me,
3: David. It was an accident.
2: And he looked like his lip was bleeding. He might have had one of those little um. Uh, like a little capsule, blood capsule, capsule in their mouth, what they use. Yeah. I think she really hit him. I think, you know, yeah, when I made so too. I think she does it in a way where her hand is not as full on like slap, but the fingers cross his cheek for mm. sure. A couple things. I remember Bruce saying they tried the Hollywood stuff a few times, especially for the pilot. I think he was talking about the pilot. They tried the fake Hollywood slap a couple times. It just didn't look right. So he said, just hit me. And then uh, I also remember reading an article, um, an interview around this time when they were filming this episode. I was like Rolling Stone or something like that, where in this article, they said they were off the set and Bruce said to Sybil, when does David get to hit Maddie? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I don't know. I don't think that would have flown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she can beat the hell out of him. That's for sure. No. I mean, he's <laughs> in the next scene, when she shows up at the Bauer house, he's kind of like an abused husband or something you know she's like giving him a look like it's over now and he's like okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if this were reversed this would all be so abusive that's the thing yeah but anyway it's fine but (laughs) David can handle it he likes it I think it's part of their foreplay of course it is like he loves it you know but between swinging the thing pulling his tie swinging the briefcase over his head and slapping him in the face what's Maddie talking about as far as like a man that would strike his wife
1: Potcorn the kettle, as I always say.
2: Yeah. It's kind of making her realize, it's teaching her a lesson, you know, that you don't always know how you would react in a situation, basically.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially in a, a nasty or a grave
2: situation, you don't know how you're going to react until it yeah. happens. Have we ever counted the slaps? I mean, how many times has Maddie hit David up until this point? She slapped him in the pilot. She punched him in the pilot. She punched him in. Sleep talking guy. talking guy. And she's slapped him here. So she's punched him twice and slapped him twice. Maybe more, but... Let's I'll go be- back and count them as well. <laughs> so many things to count. Well, she immediately feels terrible. I mean, she apologizes right away. She stops David from leaving. I mean, you can tell she does feel really bad. And then he slams the door and she kind of really flinches like, whoa, now what have I done? But I like what he says in response
1: to her slapping him.
0: You're going to tell me you didn't plan for that to happen? That it was spontaneous? act of passion oh i know you better than that maddie hayes you don't believe in spontaneity and you damn sure don't believe in passion
1: mm-hmm. that's so true sure is so he walks off saying he has a phone call to trace from a dead woman in the morning and he slams the door and i think one two three might be the third door slam I'm not sure mm. i haven't focused on the door slams in this episode yeah, so Maddie shudders from the door slam, and then you hear a telephone ringing. There's a lot of remorse on her face. She can't believe what just happened. The phone transfers to the Bowers home, and Mr. Bower answers the phone with beautiful blue lighting outside his window. Unfortunately, it is his dentist, and he has <laughs> been reminded that he has a nine thirty appointment in the morning, and that yes, he has been brushing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Man Who Cried Wife Part 1. Stay tuned next week for Part
2: 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to Moonlighting Moonlighting, the the Podcast.